25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to the Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Just like that, hour number two is underway. Here we go. Thanks for tuning in. If if you could submit a list of classic SEC football games that you would like to see replayed sometime this summer on the SEC Network, what would your games be? What would your top five classic games that you want to see, what would those be? There's a couple different ways you could look at it. One is, you know, the classic games at the top of everybody's list. But a lot of those you already get. There are certain classic games you already get every now and then replayed. What if there are others that you hadn't seen since they happened, but they were classic? (laughs) What would those be? I have some of those on my list, too. I submitted that question last night on Twitter, um, at Radio Wyatt, and you can check out my list there. I put it on there as well. And I put it on Facebook, too, facebook.com slash Radio Wyatt. Got a bunch of responses. I want to tell you uh, what some people said and commented. Their suggestions, what would be on their lists, and I'm curious about what would be on yours uh, as well. I'll tell you what's on mine. Welcome in. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team and staying connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. The Farm Bureau studio is with me. We picked it up, packed it in the car, and brought it on the road as uh, on a little vacation here, putting our toes in the sand down on the coast of Alabama. White sandy beaches, yeah, and um, cooled off a little bit. Storms came through. Going to have some more rain this week, but still it's nice. And so a little bit of a different feel this week before back to the grind, jumping into that hamster wheel next week with SEC Media Days in Hoover. And then right after that, we're off and running. And, uh, you know, the off season feels really short around here. But that's that's maybe a good thing. So what would be on your list? I don't know for sure what sparked uh, that thought in my head. But I, I have a uh, suspicion that it had to do with talking about Northwestern. So I'm sitting down last night doing a little research for the show, just kind of getting some things ready. I look, and team number 52 on the countdown is Northwestern. And I thought, well, they're not all that interesting. But in the past, I've found Big Ten football to be interesting. I have a great appreciation for it. You know, there's a – as a kid growing up and watching those Ohio State-Michigan games, they were always so big and good teams and great players and – Every year, Ohio State-Michigan was nationally broadcast, and Keith Jackson, Bob Greasy would call that game on television. So it was always classic. You know, in Penn State, I always kind of carried that classic moniker. 
As a kid growing up in the South, you know, the SEC was everything. But it was always really neat when, you know, Alabama would play Penn State or, you know, somebody would play Michigan. and um, You might play Ohio State in a bowl game, stuff like that. So uh, I have a great appreciation for it. So as an adult, you go back prior to 2014 when uh, we didn't have the SEC network yet. It was not in uh, in play. You didn't get it. There was no SEC network. Long before there was an SEC network, there was a Big Ten network. So the Big Ten network's been around longer. And um, I just remember, you know, I'd have a lot of summers 10, 15 years ago where I'd get interested in football. I wish you could watch some. You know, we might have recorded our own games. I know, Jason, you sent a tweet a couple days ago that you had a box full of old VHS tapes that had games on it. I was the same way growing up. You get interested and get hungry for football in July. Obviously, there's nothing going on. You don't want to watch the CFL. So you pop in a tape of an old game. We've all done that. Now we have DVRs. But back then, 10 years ago, I'd I'd turn on the Big Ten Network, and they would show a game from, I don't know, 1972, Michigan versus – you know, Michigan State, and I'd never seen it before. But it was neat to go back and see that classic games. I really enjoyed that. And I know that when the SEC Network was announced that it was coming around, honestly, I didn't think so much initially when they made that announcement about live sporting events that we were going to get, all the baseball coverage and all the, you know, extra basketball stuff and, and all that, and, and behind the scenes. You certainly didn't think about studio shows and that kind of stuff. Um, What I thought about was, oh, boy, if we get the SEC network, if it's like the Big Ten network, that means that throughout the summer they're going to be showing classic SEC games. Like we're going to get days on end in July of games from the 70s and 80s and 90s that we can actually watch that we haven't seen since then and while we've gotten some of that, it hadn't been to the point that you thought. But still, we've gotten some, not a lot. So, it would really be cool if, you know, if you just had a way to pull up any old game you wanted to see. Or if a lot of the games that you would love to see from over the years, classic games, were available. <clears throat> and they just played them on loop. Would you rather see that than talking heads? <laughs> um, previewing on end. Uh, endlessly the upcoming season. I think a lot of people would. And I'm sure there are reasons. Look, there are so many smart people involved with the Southeastern Conference and making decisions, and they know that there's a big demand for that. They know. And so they'd give it to you if they could. I'm sure there are things where, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe it's TV partners that have the rights to those old games and, you know, any revenue now, you get it. I don't know. Maybe there's some financial deal you'd have to work out, contractual stuff. I don't know. I just know that there's a demand from SEC fans for old classic games. They want to see them. And the responses I got on Twitter and on Facebook are an example of that. So, let's go to it. Here's what, um, here's what I put out there. List your top five classic games that you'd love to see replayed on the SEC Network. Here are mine. I came up with five. 
Could you come up with more than five? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the list goes on. And this is not a ranking of them at all. This is just five that off the top of my head I would like to sit down and watch again. Number five, the 1998 Mississippi State versus Arkansas game. That's the one where, you know, Wayne Madkin was a freshman QB. You had Brian Hazelwood, the kicker who hit the kick, the kid from Clinton. And that game put you in a position to win the Western Division if you could beat Ole Miss. But but that was kind of the linchpin game. You lose that one, then all is lost. You win that one, you were in the driver's seat to wrap up the Western Division. I'd love to go back and see that entire game again. I remember parts of it, but not all of it. Uh, number four on my list, the 2005 Tennessee versus LSU game. Remember that? I know Derek Dooley's coach in Tennessee. You remember Rick Clawson just played this unbelievable game out of nowhere to win and beat Jamarcus Russell and LSU in Baton Rouge. It was incredible. Nobody even hardly remembers that game except Tennessee fans. I would love to watch that one again. Number three on my list, Georgia versus Alabama, 1994. It was in Tuscaloosa, and you had a battle of senior quarterbacks that year in 94, Eric Zier and Jay Barker. Zier for Georgia, Barker for Alabama. It was an incredible back-and-forth shootout game. And, you know, those two teams didn't play a lot of shootout games in the years leading up to that. They both had good teams. But that particular year, you just had senior quarterbacks who could do everything and were really in control of their teams. And neither, um, you, you know, neither team went away. It really kind of came down to who had the ball last. And Barker and Alabama had the ball last. They had a little magic to them that year. But that was a real. It was a great game, and um, not a lot of people remember it. Uh, I would love to be able to see that one again. It would be a great one to watch. Uh, number two on my list, another one from 94, Auburn at Florida. I don't know if you all remember that one, but uh, it was an incredible game in the swamp. You had that Auburn team led by um, Pat Nix, whose son now is about to be the quarterback at Auburn, but Patrick Nix was the quarterback at Auburn in 94. Stephen Davis, the running back, and they had Frank Sanders, the receiver who played in the NFL. And they were at Florida there in 94. So 94 would have been – um, I guess a combination of Terry Dean and Danny Werfel at Florida. And it was a back-and-forth game. And Auburn really um, played well. And they had a dramatic touchdown throw late in the game. Frank Sanders in an end zone down there. and uh, It was a big win for them. So that's another one I would love to see. It was just a, it, kind of one of those, I don't know, everything was heightened, a huge crowd. There was a lot at stake. And number one on my list would be that 1980 Mississippi State-Alabama game where John Bond and all those guys played that 6-3 to game against Alabama, beat them. Bama was number one. And, yes, they did. A lot of people commented to that one. Those are my five games. A lot of people commented to that one and said that, you know, they, they've shown that State versus Alabama game in 80, and they had the Jack Crystal radio call over the top of it. And I did get to see that a couple of years ago. It was really, really uh, fun to watch. Some of the responses, just a few, not all, but some of the responses to that query on Twitter. Uh, my buddy from grade school growing up up in Russellville, Alabama, Mark Tucker, he uh, tweeted back at me and said, hey, how about that Mississippi State-Auburn game in 99? Yeah, wish they'd show that one again. The problem is 
the last four minutes of that game were incredibly entertaining and kind of exciting. Uh, the first 56 minutes of that game were really boring, <laughs> I think, for anybody watching it. So I don't know if that classifies uh, or qualifies or not. Uh, David Murray um, responded and said, don't leave out the definitive game and play of the 80s. Uh, a surefire top five. 1980, Georgia, Florida. The Lindsey Scott, Lindsey Scott, Lindsey Scott catch and run. Yeah. Uh, with um, uh, Larry Munson on the call. That would be a great one to see the whole game again. They may have shown that, too, and and I missed it, but that's a great one. My buddy Matt Caldwell, former offensive lineman at State, he's now head football coach in high school in Mississippi, brought up the 94 Tennessee at Mississippi State game. And, you know, that would be a good one for a lot of reasons. State won that game that day. You'll remember Kendall Watkins, a big tight end, caught the winning touchdown in the end zone, a pass from Derek Tate State to beat Tennessee. Eric Moles had a couple of dramatic catches late in that game. But that was the game in 94. It was in Starkville, and it was sort of – it wasn't the first game of the year, but it was early, but it was kind of sort of the, the coming out for Peyton Manning. That game, Peyton Manning was a freshman. He didn't start that game at Mississippi State in 94. Uh, Todd Helton, who went on to become a Major League Baseball All-Star, he was the starting quarterback that day in 94 for Tennessee, but he hurt his ankle early in the game. In came Peyton Manning. On On Peyton Manning's second, third throw of the game, he threw a touchdown pass, an out route. The corner tried to jump it, missed it, and the receiver caught it, turned up the sideline, turned it into a touchdown. That was kind of a coming out for Peyton Manning that day. But State went on to win the game. 94 tennis. I was there as a recruit, in fact. Matt would have been on that team who tweeted it um, as an offensive lineman. I was a recruit sitting up in the stands that day with my family. Uh, Another former teammate of mine, Raymond G. Y'all may remember him, big defensive lineman in the early, mid-90s. Raymond uh, tweeted at me and said, how about that Mississippi State-Alabama game in 96? And that was a big one. State had not – we had not beaten Alabama in 15 years. And and uh, led by Derek Tate, Robert Isaac, and Reggie Kelly on offense. And then led by a bunch of guys on defense. 96, we beat Alabama 17-16. to 16. And a big celebration, tore down the goalposts and, uh, and all of that. Zach tweeted his list of the top five games or and some honorable mentions that he would like to see replayed on the SEC Network. He starts with, at number one, the 2014 Mississippi State-Auburn game. Dak Prescott leads them to the win. They wind up number one in the country for a while. Number two, the Auburn versus Alabama game, Iron Bowl 2013. I guess that would be the kick six game, right? And that's just, even though it's very, very recent, it's an all-time classic, no no question. He has the 1980 MSU-Bama game on his list. Number four on his list is the 2012 championship game, Georgia versus Bama. I'm trying to remember that. I see 2012. Was that Aaron Murray? Was that when Aaron Murray got ear-holed and targeted and they didn't call it? Was that the 2012 championship game? I'm trying to remember. I have to go look it up. And then this is one that, yes, I'm glad you brought this one up. 2004. Uh, to Kentucky LSU. That would have been the premature celebration for
for Kentucky, right? Had the game won. They do the Gatorade shower, and then LSU throws a touchdown pass and wins it. <laughs> this miraculous thing. It went through two players' hands and all that. Uh, Zach's honorable mention games for classics that he wants on TV are the 2010 Iron Bowl, which I don't remember. Too. Oh, I do. Yeah, okay. That would have been the Cam Newton comeback in Tuscaloosa. 2010 Iron Bowl. That was an unbelievable game. Uh, going into that, you had the storyline of, you remember Cam Newton walked out on the field prior to the game, just walking around, and the PA kid for Alabama played the song, Go On, Take the Money and Run, and got himself fired for it. <laughs> and Alabama jumped out to a first-half lead. They were up, what were they ahead, 23 points or something like that? And Cam Newton and Auburn came back starting in the third quarter and totally took over that game and won it, like a 23-point comeback or something in the second half. And it was just the such a, a final piece of the puzzle to prove that Cam Newton was the most takeover player the SEC has seen, I think, in our lifetime. He was only there one year, but he totally took it over. And in a game, nobody goes to Tuscaloosa against that kind of Alabama team and, you know, does that in the second half of a game. He did it. He just totally took over. 98 Arkansas-Tennessee, huge game. Uh, Arkansas had a chance to knock off Tennessee in Knoxville. You remember Clint Sterner fumbled that ball at the end and, and it kind of gave Tennessee the win. They went on to the national championship. If he doesn't fumble that ball, Tennessee is not your national champion that year. Uh, 2014 Mississippi State LSU. Dak Prescott, the stiff arm. A lot of people brought that one up. Yeah, so uh, it's a good list on the honorable mention uh, as well. JB sent a list, included the 80 Mississippi State-Alabama game. 07 Florida LSU, which I don't remember too much about. I guess would 07 have included Tim Tebow? I'd have to go look that up. Isn't it crazy how our memories, like individually, remember different things? I'm sure since it's on his list, JB remembers all of it. He brought up 2012 Texas A&M versus Alabama, the Johnny football game. That's when he kind of became Johnny football. And then 2014 Ole Miss versus LSU, um, <clears throat> which I don't remember too much of. I think LSU won that one. I don't remember too much else about it, to be honest with you. Somebody brought up 1977 Notre Dame at Ole Miss. I don't know enough about that one. And honestly, as I read that on Twitter, I'm not sure I realized that Notre Dame ever played a game at Ole Miss. I need to know more. I want to know more about <laughs> in 1977 Ole Miss hosting Notre Dame. I, I, I'm ashamed I don't know. If I go over to some of the uh, Facebook comments when I posted that, you know, give me your list. Somebody brought up the 1965 Mississippi State and Florida game. Brad Saget brought it up and said, my dad caught the winning touchdown pass to beat Steve Spurrier and the Gators. So no wonder that's pretty cool. And, you know, if there's television of that, if there's a video copy anywhere, I'd be happy to get my hands on it. That would be pretty cool. Uh, somebody brought up State and Arkansas in 2015. That was an incredible back-and-forth game. Brandon Allen, the QB for Arkansas. Dak Prescott, QB for State. State had to win it late with a blocked field goal attempt. I think it was Beniquez Brown uh, who blocked it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and, and the one game that I let, that's not on my list 
that was brought up on Facebook by Brian Maxwell is the 92 national title game. The 92 national title game, which was Alabama versus Miami, because you had that play with George Teague running down at Miami receiver and just on what was a breakaway bomb touchdown pass and run, ran him down, ripped the ball out of his hands, and and uh, created a turnover. Just an unbelievable individual play uh, from George Teague. He was a great player, very underrated player in terms of what people talk about these days. You think about all the things he did at Alabama, the teams he was on, and um, and all that. And, and what he did with the Cowboys, too, playing in the NFL. George Teague was a heck of a player, no doubt about it. Really fun to kind of look those up. Somebody brought up 2002 Georgia versus Auburn. Would that have been David Green? 2002. Um, somebody brought up 07 Arkansas LSU. They've had a bunch of dandy games there in their time. You go back to the McFadden days and the Houston Nut days. Um, Arkansas was uh, Arkansas had the better of that LSU matchup a bunch of times over the years. Anyway, get them in. It's fun to look back at that. Who knows if anybody at the SEC Network would see it and actually take it as a suggestion. That might be nice if they did, huh? Well, yeah, maybe. One can dream. We can dream, sir. We can dream. <laughs> All right. Um, hour number two, off and running, uh, running, rolling, running, one or the other. We're started. We started hour number two. So uh, coming up, a little baseball chat for you. Something to look back on. It popped up on Twitter yesterday that you need to be aware of. And then we'll look at road trips that you're looking forward to as well. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around. show i'm matt in the farm bureau studio farm bureau go with the home team they are your home team at farm bureau thanks for tuning in you can tweet me at radio wyatt all the phone calls and guests on this show appear Via the Divini Equipment phone line. Divini Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. Your Kubota dealer. The oldest Kubota dealer in the U.S. They've been doing it better longer than anyone else. Thanks for tuning in. All right, so you had the All-Star game last night. I didn't watch. There were some things that happened um, people are complaining about. Uh, like, for instance, miking up the players and interviewing them during actual at-bats. Freddie Freeman is down in the on-deck circle yeah. watching all this. Freddie, how we doing? How, we're doing good. He's throwing really hard over here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and up. Yeah, and everything's up. And I'm going to probably swing at it. Oh, boy. <laughs> Go up there hacking. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to need your guys' help, though. I know you guys can see Gary's sign, so just tell me what it's throwing. Yeah, we'll be part of the controversy. A strikeout for out number two. All right. All right, Freddie. Let's do this. Go get him. 
All right, so Freddie Freeman's mic'd up as he goes up to bat. You know what they're going to throw me? They're going to tell me. <laughs> I don't think he understood you. They're going to tell me what's coming. Anyway, it's I can't figure out if it was good TV or bad TV. I know we're talking about it here the next day. I I honestly don't – I didn't I, – I did catch that. I just didn't like it. I just thought it was all a big joke. It's turning the All-Star game into a joke. Either make it fun and a joke or make it serious. The whole in-between thing to me is what – you know, and TV so often ruins everything because, it, that you know, television – you have so many people involved in television stuff that they can't th- – that have these inflated egos and, like, ideas of of self-relevance, and they can't get it out of the way and realize that the only reason anybody's tuning into a baseball game is for the baseball game. That's the only reason. So either make it a baseball game or not. Make it a sideshow and funny – or make it serious, but the in-between is not going to work. Nobody's going to like that. And, you know, it's too a little bit of a spit in the face of the sport to go, well, we're going to have a game that's going to award home field in the World Series to one league or the other, but we're going to just kind of make a joke of the whole game itself. It's just, you know, leave it to TV to ruin everything. That's kind of what they do. They kind of just do that to sports. They ruin everything. They get their hands in it, ruin it. (laughs) That's just what they do. Um, So there's one baseball nugget. Here's the other. On Twitter yesterday, uh, somebody, let's see, Taylor Curate tweeted out that Scott Barry confirmed that Southern Miss baseball assistant B.A. Volmuth was stepping away from the program after five seasons. Uh, he was a part of their 2009 College World Series run, but he helped in coaching. He coached defense. He was kind of an assistant hitting coach. He was alongside Chad Calais, who accepted a position with Texas A&M. Anyway, Volmuth stepping away. You don't know the reasons based on just a tweet like that. But then one of the players at Southern Miss, Brant Blaylock, former Mississippi State player, in fact, but one of the players retweeted it and said, another great baseball mind having to step away because college baseball refuses to take a step forward with a third paid assistant. Figure it out. So here's a guy who played, who coached, wants to coach, but just can't make it work financially. Um, They're not allowed to have a third paid assistant. Going through the volunteer stuff, um, who knows, maybe GA stuff, but also probably doing camps. And at some point, a lot of guys, a lot of coaches are going to leave college baseball because, what you know, they have to make a living. They've got families. They want to have a life. And maybe things don't work out for them where they climb the ladder as fast as others. <clears throat> and they got to make decisions. I do think it's silly when you look at um, when you look at money and revenue, let me make a statement to you. Let me make a statement to you. Every major college athletic department in the country can afford to pay a third assistant baseball coach. They can. Some can pay more. But every program in the country can afford to pay a third assistant baseball coach. 
Let me remind you of what Jake Mangum said to the media at the College World Series in Omaha before he left the podium for the last time after they were eliminated. You know, for four years, I I just want to let everyone know it, it, it's time for a third paid assistant head coach, uh, assistant coach in college baseball. There's a million people averaging watching this game. There's 30,000 people in that stadium. This is my second time to Omaha. Like, it, it, it's, it's time. Like, this game's evolving. It's growing. Every year it keeps getting bigger. And in and, and this dugout, and these, uh, on that field, there was, uh, there was 27 players on each team. You start off with 35, you come with 27. Of those 35, there's 11.7 on each team on scholarship. Like, man, like, this, game, this game's getting way too big for that. These are the best four years of my life, and it, it, it's, it's, time, it's time to adapt with that. Every year we've had assistant coaches that have not been paid who spend hours on hours on hours doing all they can for our program, sleeping in the offices, like, scouting reports, dealing with camps. Come on, man. Go out there and watch that game. There's 30,000 people in that stadium. A million people watching it. Come on. It's, it's, time, it's time to change. It really is. Thank you all. And Hell State. That was uh, Jake Mangum. You know, use that platform to kind of make a plea. You know, I keep going back, though, when I hear that, to two things that he said and then he reiterated again. You got 30,000 people in the stands for games at the College World Series. You have a million people or so watching it on television. Okay. In the Power Five, everybody's got television contracts. Everybody's got coaches making lots of money, head coaches. And in the Power Five, you all have successful football programs within those conferences that are making all kinds of revenue for the athletic department to use as they see fit. So if you don't even get to, if you don't even step over into the 11.7 scholarship thing in baseball, what about this idea that they've said you can't have, you can only have um, two paid assistant coaches? So across the board, you're setting the limits. They've set limits in every sport. Sure, they do. Um, but just one example of the the hold'em back that's happening in college baseball. One example is the inability to have that next assistant coach. So what teams are doing is they're getting, you know, volunteers. Um, there are going to be some that are going to figure out ways to benefit those those quote-unquote volunteer coaches so that it's like a paid job, but you're trying to sneak around, frankly. You can't just do it out in the open. And so that's one way that that sport is held back. And then the other huge way that that sport is held back is obviously with uh, the scholarship limits. Just wanted to bring that up, that that was on Twitter yesterday. As it continues to happen, I'm just going to continue to talk about it because I think it needs to be talked about. It needs to be just a constant reminder that it's a big deal around here, college baseball, but at the highest levels, there are lots of commissioners and ADs who would be fine if it just went away. 
that's the truth. Y'all stick around. Back on the show, I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. What's your favorite road trip? Hey, look, of all the things that you look forward to football season for, tailgating and food. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, watching your team play. Hooting and hollering, ringing a cowbell, you know, fins up, roll tide, war eagle, and all that kind of stuff. Of all the things that you look forward to, I mean, food's a big part of it, yeah, but road trips are a big part of it, too, for a lot of fans. And, you know, there there are a lot of fans who do make every road trip with every with their team every year, but not nearly as many as those who might pick that one road trip a year, and it could be. You know, it's maybe there's family nearby. You go see them every other year when that when your team goes there, that kind of thing. So you have different reasons that you look forward to different uh, different road trips. I always look forward to going to Auburn. One of my favorite. That's and state. If I look at state fans, what's on the the road docket for you this year away from Starkville? The truth is, state fans, all of the road games are going to come in one stretch from the end of September to the beginning of November, so like the month of October. September 28th at Auburn, the next week at Tennessee. I think there's an open date in between there. You host LSU, and then back-to-back road games at Texas A&M and at Arkansas. Then The first four games are at home, the last three are at home for state. But um, so the the Tennessee trip on October 12th is going to be a lot of fun because the weather, by the time you get to October 12th, the weather uh, up in Tennessee and around Knoxville should be really nice. Um, it might be a little early for the completely turned foliage, but we might have some of it. But it's always a fun trip. It's a rare trip. You better do it. And that's the other thing about road trips for SEC teams. The convoluted schedule format that the league is using right now after they expanded to 14 teams, it really, it means that you're playing teams in their venue on the other side of the conference, in the other division, every seven years. Well, no, I take it back. What you play them, you play them once every seven years, you go to their place once every 14 years. That's it. So think about that. If you are a Mississippi State fan and you want to see State play in Neyland Stadium in Knoxville, you better go now. You better go now. Maybe that's part of the thinking behind the, the this scheduling makeup is that you have these rare trips that – Maybe it helps you to sell some tickets to the opposing fans because if you don't do it now, you may not live long enough for the next one, the the next trip your team goes to Tennessee or to, to Florida. But the fact is, when you play 
in an opposing stadium once every 14 years, you're really not even in the same conference. You're just not. Mississippi State will play Kansas State, Arizona, (laughs) and NC State more often. They'll play each of those teams twice between the next time they play Tennessee. Now think about how how messed up that is. It's just a it is a convoluted scheduling deal. It really is. But uh, the Tennessee trip will be neat. But for me, I love um, every other year when State gets to go to Auburn. It's not like I get to load the family up, make a family trip out of it. It's a work trip for me. But I get to go see my family. Usually, we'll, you know, uh, instead of making the whole hotel trip with the team, I'll stay with my mother. Get to see her. Uh, drive my own car. It's not a far trip for me for where I live. And Auburn's campus is great. You know, the football stadium, Jordan-Hare, is uh, settled right in the very smack middle of campus. It's like they built the campus around the football stadium almost. Uh, They don't have one centralized tailgating thing. It just kind of happens on all parts of their campus uh, around the stadium. But it's collegiate too. You know, you go in their stadium, and there's a lot of people now, 85,000 people or so, but they fly the Eagle before the game. It's really cool. Everybody at Auburn's always very nice. And with 85,000 in there, you still feel like we're, we're on a college campus and we're at a college game. This is what college football is supposed to feel like. That's what I always think about at Auburn. It's not that way at, at other places. You know, you go to like a place like Alabama, the, the football stadium, I mean, it's on campus, but it's kind of over to one edge. It, the stadium is gargantuan, 100,000 people, but it's round, it's uniform. Bryant-Denny no longer really has any character in the stadium. It's just it's just big. You don't feel like you're on a college campus. You don't really feel like you're at a college game. Uh, Auburn is all college, and I, I like those trips. That's a good one. The other road trips at A&M and at Arkansas. I'll tell you this. If you're an SEC fan and you haven't been to a game at Kyle Field, um at Texas A&M, you have to go. It is the biggest, most impressive stadium and atmosphere when it's full in the league. I didn't say the loudest. I said it's the biggest. The way they've built that stadium, I know 100,000 people is 100,000 people, but it's a it's a 100,000-seat stadium that does have some like character to it in that it's so unique. It's four levels of seating they've built straight up. So the entire thing is just like hanging out over the stadium, I mean over the field. You just have to see it to believe it. Um, they did it right at Texas A&M. It's a really a, a cool thing. On the Ole Miss schedule this year in terms of road trips, you're at Memphis in the opener, you know, whatever. And then you're, you're in Tuscaloosa. You are in um, Columbia, Missouri. You're in Auburn, and you're at Mississippi State. Those are your road trips. And I already talked about Alabama. The thing about that is, you know, when your team plays Alabama, it's neat to go there if you've never been in Bryant-Denny Stadium. And it is huge. You know, I would think that the trip to Missouri on October the 12th, again, it's the opposite division. You're going to go there because of the convoluted, uh, convoluted scheduling format in the league if you're an Ole Miss fan you're going to get to go to Columbia Missouri once every 14 years and it'll be a a beautiful drive again you kind of wish it was November but 
still, I mean, middle of October, it's just going to be a beautiful drive for you from wherever you are around here up probably through Arkansas and then, you know, uh, into the Ozarks and up there to Missouri and Columbia. You know, make a scenic trip however you want to go. Uh, that's going to be a fun road trip for you, I think. Uh, but the others, I mean, you're close to Memphis. You're close to Alabama. You're really close to Mississippi State, relatively close to Auburn. You don't really have to travel that far, do you? Um, if you look at the Southern Miss schedule, they've got a game in Tuscaloosa this year, um, the fourth week of the year. And and Southern Miss comes to Starkville in week two. They go to Troy in week three. So I mentioned that when we talked about Southern Miss a while back. The four games to start the year for Southern Miss are all four of their non-conference games, and three of the four are on the road. They'll host Alcorn State and then at Mississippi State, at Troy, and at Alabama. But for Southern Miss, how cool is that? I mean, get to watch your team go on to the biggest stage. Alabama will be number one, and you'll go into Bryant-Denny. And, uh, wow, they got little bitty televisions up in the corners of the stadium. They don't have video boards like you're used to. Uh, Southern Miss, look, you're going to go to the game in Tuscaloosa, and they don't have a video board as big as the one you have anywhere around there. They don't have room for it. It's all crammed in there with, like, corporate seating and little bitty video boards up in the corners. You'll notice that if you haven't been other road trips throughout the year for Southern Miss. They'll go to Louisiana Tech and Ruston. They go to Rice. They go to San Antonio. And they're at FAU. But I would think for a Southern Miss fan, look, in Starkville week two and in Tuscaloosa week four, you got to make those road trips, right, if you can get a ticket. Go in there and watch your team tee it up, try to knock off an SEC team. So fun road trips. Some that um, – I'm trying to think road trips that uh, we've made. Last year, the road trip to Kansas State. You know, Manhattan, Kansas has kind of gotten a bum rap over the years. And as a city and everything, now it's not huge. And, yeah, it's out there in the middle of Kansas, in the middle of nowhere. I thought downtown Manhattan was really nice. We got some really good food, too, last year on that trip. But the stadium, that was the thing that stood out to me, was uh, Bill Snyder Family Stadium there at Kansas State. It was so nice. Uh, recently renovated and added on to probably the nicest and most well-thought-out press box that that I've ever been in. I really enjoyed uh, that trip uh, very much. I uh, have not – let's see, uh, the last time we were at Arkansas in Fayetteville, they hadn't actually completed that uh, end zone expansion and renovation that they just got finished last year. So when State – travels to Arkansas and Fayetteville in November, that'll be my first chance to actually uh, lay eyes on that. So looking forward to it. But road trips. So there you go. Just kind of a glance around some of the road trips you're going to get to take part in this year in a football season. And, you know, it's still early enough that if you you haven't made those plans, you still do have time to make those plans. So uh, check them out. Yep, but going to Knoxville. Hadn't been in a long time. The last time I went to a football game in Knoxville – it was uh, 2008. And like I said, from the 10th floor, it looks flat, like you can walk it. Trust me, it's hilly around that stadium. All right. Enjoyed it. We're wrapping it up here with you on a Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Ah!